<laughs> Imagine being part of my family at one of our community's biggest events every year, Cornival. Right. Several years ago, I was there with my family, my extended family, and uh, my, my sister came to me and handed me her little daughter, Emily, for me to hold. And everyone was having a great time. The kids were having a great time riding the unsafe carny rides. The adults were having a great time eating the unhealthy food. Right. Uh, and I'd like to say it was uh, someone handed me this this delicious Mexican cup of a lotus cream corn. How many of you know you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, right? <laughs> so I'm, I'm eating this, this, this cream corn, and, and it was because of that moment that I, that I brought young Emily and put her down on the ground near the feet of my brother-in-law. It's his child. He can take care of him while I'm eating my cream corn, right? <laughs> And a few minutes had passed, and my sister came up to me, just red-faced, clearly upset. She said, where's Emily? What have you done with my daughter? Hell has no fury, y'all, like a, like a sister whose brother lost her child. Everybody dropped everything to search for little Emily. Everybody shouting Emily's name out. I mean, like, what kind of family member would you be if you didn't help search for lost little Emily? What kind of friend would you be if you were asked to go search for a lost child, yet you did not do it? Now, we found little Emily, who was once lost, but it made me think how grateful I am that I was once lost and God sent his son Jesus to seek and save the lost. How many of you can say, I was once a sheep that was gone astray. I was once lost in my sin, but Jesus came and found me and saved me and forgave me of my sins. How many of you can testify that the Lord is really good? I wonder though, that when Jesus told us to go out and make disciples, to go out and proclaim the gospel of Jesus to every nation, to go to the highways and the byways seeking the lost, how does he feel as a father? How does he feel as a friend when his followers choose not to obey? Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, the gospel of Luke chapter 2. I am so excited you're here as we continue our series called Things That Were Lost. Last Sunday, we talked about the parables of the lost sheep and the lost coin. Today, we're going to talk about the lost Christ. There is a book called The Greatest Story Ever Told by Fulton Arsler. And it's about the childhood of Jesus. And it draws from the apocryphal records of stories of Jesus when he was a child that caused flowers to spring forth, to restore broken toys, to cause a clay bird to start flying. Now, the, the book is very clear that, that the authenticity of these stories are unknown and most likely legend. But there's one story in that book that is true. And it's true because it's also found in Scripture. It surrounds the story of Jesus, who when he was a child, every year his family would take an, a road trip from the small town of Nazareth to the big city of Jerusalem. And in verse 41 of Luke chapter 2, it says, His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. 
And when they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it, but supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And so when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why do you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? First, can we just address the fact that it is terrible when any child is lost? But there is a whole nother level of horror when you lose little Jesus, right? And it happened. And it happened to Mary. Mary, y'all, like Mary. Mary, the one who wrote a song called The Magnificent when she was when Jesus was in her womb and she knew that this was the coming Messiah. It was Mary, the first one to lay little Jesus in the manger. Mary, the one who was the last one to stay at the cross at the passing of her son and Savior. It was Mary. It happened. Unless we judge too harshly upon Mary, may not anyone in this room say it can't happen to me. May not any small group leader say, I'm much too busy making the disciples that I would never lose the Christ. May not one volunteer, not one mature follower of Jesus, not even a pastor say, it couldn't happen to me. It happens. You can lose Jesus. How does it happen? Well, let's look at scripture. The first way it can happen is you can get distracted. You can, you can lose your love for Jesus. You can drift away from him because you get distracted. In the first century, Israel, when, when large groups traveled, you got to understand that oftentimes men would travel with the men, women would travel with the women in groups. So an assumption was made that perhaps Joseph thought that Jesus, who like other children who could travel with both men and women, Joseph thought he was with his mom. Mary thought Jesus, little Jesus, was with his dad. And so there was no alarm until that one night the tragic discovery was made that Jesus was lost. I imagine they dropped everything and they felt so bad. Can you imagine uh, the regret? Could you imagine just feeling like I got distracted? I lost not just my child, but lost Jesus. So I ask you today, what is distracting you from your personal relationship with Jesus? Is there anything that's getting more attention than Jesus? Whatever gets your attention gets you. Jesus talks about the, the parable of the sower, and it's in four different types of area. One of those areas is soil that has weeds. And Jesus says these weeds choke out the seed, which is the word of God. And these weeds are the pleasures of the world. They're the riches in the world. There's things in this world. 
things in this world that can get your attention and cause you to draw away from the presence of the Lord, cause you to drift from your first love in Jesus. One of my favorite authors and pastors, F.W. Borum, quote, is quoted by saying, the good is often the enemy of the best. He says the good is often the enemy of the best. Not, not just the bad things, it can be good things. And that's why it can be so deceptive, right? We can, we can justify it. If it's good, we can justify it. Now, this is one of my uh, books of F.W. Borum that I, that I treasure. I, I once, before I started giving these books away, I had his complete 55-work collection. It's one of my, my greatest treasures here on earth. And if I'm not careful, I can spend more time reading Borum than I do the Bible. I can find myself lost reading stories in this author and pastor over a hundred years ago who pastored in New Zealand has become kind of a, a long distance uh, mentor from the past, someone who I won't meet until I get to heaven. But if I'm not careful, I can reach for Borum before the Bible. And I've got to be intentional. I've got to be intentional that I'm going to read and, and have hunger by faith and my actions that I open up God's word before I open up any other book before I open up social media, before I open up a newspaper. I need to be seeking and hungering for, for the word of God and for the presence of the Lord. And so I've done some things that are just physical, that even with the Bible, that has become kind of tradition for me. For one, I never place the Bible directly on the floor. I just don't do it. And then I never put a book on top of the Bible. It's always the Bible on top. Physical thing to remind myself personally that there's nothing that can be uh, prioritized more than the Bible, more than Jesus, more than the presence of the Lord. So, is there anything in your life? Is there any distractions? Is there anything that you can watch or listen or do that's causing you to spend more time than with Jesus? If so, examine. Look at those things and make a commitment. My concern would be that even as volunteers or ministers that we can justify or try to excuse devoted service. But that devoted service is no substitute for your devotion with Jesus. Then you're abiding with Jesus. Then just spending time nurturing that relationship with Jesus. He longs to spend time with you. The Bible says, draw near to God, he will draw near to you. You are as close to God as you want to be. So are there any distractions that are keeping you from Jesus? Second, we got to be careful of the crowd. The crowd. Look back at verse 44. It says, but supposing him to have been in the company, they assume that Jesus was in the crowd. And they made an assumption, and they lost Jesus. You should closely examine your friendships. Your character is the sum of the character of your five closest friends. Show me your friends, and I will, sh and I will show you your future. Especially when you're younger, but also when you get older, choose wisely those who you have close fellowship with. 
It's so important. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Students, I know that you don't want to feel lonely. And so sometimes it can be tempting to... Uh, to lower your standard or to have friends in close fellowship. Now, we need to pray. We need to have a burden for friends who don't have a relationship with Jesus. But I can tell you from experience, after spending 14 years as a youth pastor, that it's, uh, it's a lot easier for your friends to pull you down to their level than it is for you to pull them up to yours. And so until you are mature in the Lord, uh, you need to spend more of your time in fellowship with friends that love Jesus, that are going in a good direction. But it's true for all of us, isn't it? We need to be careful of the crowd. And it's not just the wrong friends. It's the crowd that, that was full of pilgrims. They were singing the songs of Zion and Joseph and Mary, and they were talking about the memories and the experiences and the spiritual moments they had, and they were in fellowship with these people, but they lost Jesus through the crowd. Ten years ago, I invited a, uh, a college student over to our house to spend time with our family. We were going to uh, make a dinner and, and then play games. This was someone who I'd, I'd known since he was 14 years old. Uh, we had watched baseball games together. I really liked this kid. And uh, I, I called him up and I said, would, would you like to come over for dinner with our family? And he said, thank you for the invitation, John, but I must decline. And I said, well, why? He said, uh, I said, do you already have plans? He said, well, I, I have been spending too much time this, this week with, with friends. And I had just committed in my heart this morning that I would be and just abide with him tonight. So if you excuse me, I want to spend time with the Lord. I was, I was a little shocked. That, that doesn't happen very often. I can't even remember too many times where someone would just say no to an invitation. But I marked this young man, and I thought, this man just, he just challenged me. And, uh, and I thought this would be, a, a good pastor one day. <laughs> and so years passed and I got to watch this man continue to grow mature and as we trained him. And for those of you who are new in our church, this young man became uh, our small group pastor, Austin Poirier. And if you know Austin, you know he's passionate about the Great Commission. He's passionate about his small group and making disciples. He's passionate about serving and equipping our small group leaders. And this is the reason why he's passionate. Because he knows that there is a bigger and more important commandment than the Great Commission. And that is the first commandment. To love Jesus with all of your soul and your mind and your soul and your strength. And so may we as well know that the first commandment is to love God with everything that we have and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And then out of that loving relationship with Jesus will flow ministry, will flow service. Out of your healthy relationship with Jesus, will you will have a healthy marriage. Some of you are trying to fix an unhealthy marriage, but until you fix who you are and your standing between, between you and God, like it's going to flow out of that. Being a good parent, being a good grandparent, being a good employee will flow out of a healthy, personal, loving relationship 
with Jesus that only you must prioritize and take responsibility for. So be careful of the crowd and that they don't choke out your time with the Lord. I, I encourage you first thing in the morning to block, to put it in your calendar, and nothing will interrupt that. When someone invites you out for breakfast early in the morning, you say, I'm sorry, I already have an appointment. You don't have to tell them who. That person is way more important than whoever's trying to have breakfast with you early. You spend time with, with the Lord and, and be committed and be consistent with that. No one, no one wakes up saying, I want to drift in my relationship with Jesus, but one compromise after another, one day after another turns into a longer period of time. And soon the crowd can cause us to lose the Christ. So first, what causes us to lose our first love or to lose the Christ can be distraction. Second is the crowd. Third, I just say boldly, it's sin. It's missing the mark. It's a lingering thought, a word or an action that's contrary to the word of God or the character of Jesus. So in Hebrews 12, it says, let go of the sin that so easily entangles us. It is like a weight and it's holding you back and it's causing you to drift from your relationship with the Lord. So the response should be a broken, contrite spirit, a humble heart that every day we say, Lord, search my heart, examine my heart. Is there anything that's unpleasing before you? And when the Holy Spirit brings it to our mind and our attention, we should confess it. If you want a clean conscience before God, if you want to sleep well at night, then every day be ready to confess and repent of sin. The Bible says, the Apostle John, he's a little bit older. He says in 1 John chapter 5, we know that whoever is born of God does not sin. It shouldn't be a, a practice. You shouldn't justify or excuse it. But he who has been born of God keeps himself and the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Then, as an older spiritual grandpa, he, he writes these words, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Keep yourself from anything that can get between you and your relationship with God. And so confess your sin. Repent your sin. 1 John 1.9, John would say, If you confess your sins, he who is faithful will forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So we should confess to the Lord, but we should also confess to our sister in Christ, our brother in Christ. We don't have to confess to everybody. You don't have to put your sins on social media but there should be someone in your life, perhaps in your small group, that knows everything about you, that you can be current with, that when you've missed the mark, when you have sinned, that you can come and you can share this. This, was gonna, this is going to be as a, a protection. This will help you in your prayer life. This will help you stay close to the Lord. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So three things that can cause us to lose the Christ, to lose our, our first love in Jesus. First, distractions. Second, the crowd. Third, sin. And finally, 
losing your first love. It took them three days to find Jesus. Three days. They thought everything was fine until they met together that first night and they were alarmed at the the news that Jesus was lost. Have you lost Jesus? A day can turn to three days. Three days can turn to a week. A week can turn to a month. A month can turn into a season. A season can turn to a year. And then you're further away from God than you ever planned. You're away from a relationship with him that was once passionate and thriving. Listen, when you lose Jesus, it's you who is lost. Jesus didn't go anywhere. The good news is when you find Jesus, you will find yourself. So how do you find Jesus? That's the hope. That's the application, right? No matter where you're at on your spiritual journey, you might be completely spiritually lost, or you might be on fire for the Lord. You're, you've got a personal relationship with the Lord, and you're with him every day, but most likely some of you are just at different places of the journey. But the hope is that we would get closer with the Lord, that we would nurture our relationship with God, that we would fall more in love with him, that we would mature, that we become a devoted follower of Jesus. And I want to help you get closer. Nothing, that's my greatest prayer and hope, that you, would, that you would be more in love with Jesus tomorrow than you are today. And so how do you find Jesus? First, it's quite simply, turn from your sin. Turn from your distractions, the idols. The Lord, while he may be found, call upon him while he is near. But notice it also says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. So what way seems right to you that doesn't please the Lord? What are thoughts that you have in your mind that are not pleasing to the Lord? He says, let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. The promise of the pardon is made to all of those who forsake their sin, and seek the Lord. So first, we turn from sin. Second, we get into the presence of God. We seek the presence of God. When Joseph and Mary were aware that they had lost Jesus, they knew where to go. I imagine right when they got into the the city limits of Jerusalem, there were probably all kinds of places where Jesus could have been, but they knew their son. They knew Jesus, and they knew where to go, and that was the church. It was to the temple, and they found Jesus there. What was Jesus doing? He was asking questions. He was learning. He was in the courts of his father, about his father's business, and he was growing, and he was learning. Three just very tangible places. If you have lost your first love, I encourage you to make church a priority. Do not forsake assembling together. There may have been a time that you were, that church was more of a, a part of your lifestyle, but maybe now you come once every couple of months and you're drifting and drifting and you're finding ways to excuse and justify. Another place is to be in fellowship with others in a small group, to be in a home or a coffee shop two or three times a month with brothers and sisters in Christ where you're opening up God's word and you can ask questions and you can take care of each other where there can be confession. And there's a third place and that is your personal secret place. It's your prayer closet. Maybe no one will ever see it, but God does. 
May you prioritize early in the morning or in the evening or at your lunch hour. Even if you have to excuse yourself from work and put the AC on and the vehicle and open up the word of God and just spend time in his presence and praising him and thanking him for his blessings and opening up the word of God and saying, God, what do you have for me today? What are my orders today? How can I, how can I grow in my relationship with you? And just wait upon the Lord. Wait upon him. The next thing you can do if you've lost Christ and you want to find him is to return to your first love. Return to your first love. Jesus had great compassion on the crowd. He taught the crowd. He fed the crowd. But when that crowd tried to make him an earthly king before his time was ready, Jesus, we see over and over in Scripture that he would withdraw from the crowd. And then early in the morning before it was daylight, he would go to the mountain and he would spend time with his father in prayer. It's easy to be in a crowd and want the attention or the accolades of a crowd. They can pull you away from the Father. Just being vulnerable. I would never want ministry to, to be a substitute of my time with the Lord. Nothing. I love worshiping the Lord with you. But my favorite times are when no one else is here. And I fall on my face before the Lord. And I worship my Father. Jesus desires your relationship with him to be healthy and strong. And he writes in Revelation chapter 2, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its, from its place unless you repent. If you uh, have been married for some period of time, you know that you remember the days when you were dating, right? Remember writing those love notes and holding hands. There was a lot of affection. And then when you got married and you were engaged and you got married that wedding day and then the, the honeymoon time and the, man, they could do no wrong in your eyes. And you longed to just be, you just thought about them, how to serve them, how to be with them. You just wanted to be with them. And then time goes on and there's trials or there's work or other relationships and you can drift. And the greatest way back is to remember. Remember what it was like in those, what did you do? Just those action steps. How, how did you feel? How did you think? And go back. And that's the same way Jesus is saying, go back, remember. Remember what it was like at the beginning. He loves you and he longs to be.